Welcome back to Bulls with the Bard. My name is Cakes. I am your host. Today we are talking with Joan Rob Wilson. Joan is a stage actor, voice actor, singer, and stand-up comedian from Binghamton, New York. She is a Virgo sun, an Aquarius moon, and a Virgo rising, so her lofty creative ambitions are often at war with her extreme perfectionism, but she is doing the best she can. When she's not on stage or in the recording booth, Joan loves to read, play guitar, participate in National Novel Writing Month, and watch rom-coms. Her favorite is My Best Friend's Wedding, and she will defend it with her life. Joan's favorite Shakespeare play is Much Ado About Nothing, and as a result, she refuses to date anyone who can't bring some witty banter to the table. Joan is here today to talk about how the Shakespeare industry and the theater industry at large can do better by plus-sized people. It was an absolute pleasure talking with her. I'm so excited to share our conversation with you. But first, as always, I got a little high and Joan enjoyed a beer. <laughs> Right, y'all. We are back with Joan Rob Wilson talking about plague stuff. Joan, what did you do with your quarantines? Oh boy, um, there were lots of highs and lows of the quarantines for me, as I imagine there were for lots of people. Um, the start of my quarantine was kind of chaotic because, in a pure accident of bad timing, I quit my day job right Whoa. before everything shut down it was in like march of 2020 was my last day and i had made that decision thinking i'll be able to find another job pretty soon probably i won't have to worry about it and then it was like nope nobody's hiring everything is closed do not leave the house so that was a time um and i ended up actually moving back to my hometown binghamton new york for a while i'm still here um, and had a lot of just kind of static months of doing nothing and feeling like, I don't know what's happening. I'm not sure what the future looks like. I'm not sure what the present looks like. And, you know, feeling very like paralyzed with indecision about what to do about it. But I am thankful to say that I did also have the the luxury of time and a like safe, you know, safety net to explore things that I have wanted to explore for a long time, but just never had the time or the energy to do them. And so I started doing freelance voice acting work and I like set up a little recording booth in my coat closet and oh. uh, started pursuing that. And that's been a really fun, interesting challenge. And I also, as things started gradually opening back up again, I also started doing stand-up comedy in the Binghamton area, which has been really fun. And again, something that I've wanted to try for a long time, but just have never been like brave enough to do it. And so it's, you know, I'm now kind of at that headspace where I'm realizing that like, okay, I have done a lot with my quarantine and I'm ready to kind of actually figure out what like next steps I can pursue. So that's kind of where I'm at. Oh, wow. That's so neat. I, I think it's really amazing all of the different ways, all of the like performer friends that I have found ways to like stay engaged with the performing sides of themselves without mm -hmm. necessarily being 
on stage or on screen and like yeah. you you double whammied it like that's <laughs> so cool <laughs> yeah it's been fun and like like I said voice acting is something I've been really interested in for a long time and back when I was living in the Boston area I took a couple of classes and workshops on it and did some coaching sessions with an amazing teacher and I kept thinking like, okay, one of these days I'm going to actually like sit down and like set up a home recording studio and set up a website and do all that stuff. But it was just so hard to do it while working a regular nine to five job that I hated and was like draining me of all of my joy. And so eventually after being in this space of just not doing anything, I was like, okay, well now I've got no excuse to just try it. So, so I just kind of went for it and it's, it's both very different from stage acting and very similar. And there's been a big learning curve for me, definitely learning the technical side of things, but it's been fun and I want to keep doing it. And it is something you can do remotely from home. So hallelujah, hallelujah. (laughs) In theory, if I move, which I'm, I'm likely to be moving at some point in the near future, it's the kind of work you can take anywhere with you. So yay, (laughs) I'm excited. That's so nice. Um, what kinds of voice acting are you doing? Is it like commercial? Are we doing character work? Like I have done a couple of like small, like regional local commercial things. Um, most of what I've done has been in this sort of educational field. I've done a lot of like e-learning and, uh, like sort of educational modules for students. Um, cause one thing that I've realized as well is that as you know, people who are in school, both adults and children, have had to do things from home a lot more. They have all these new like online learning modules that they have to do. And so a lot of the e-learning stuff I've been doing has been geared towards that and like learning stuff at home. And uh, my my goal or one of my goals is I want to do more like museum focused stuff because I love museums and I love educational content in general. And so I have done one museum project for a uh, this great site in the Syracuse area, the um, Cayuga Museum of History and Art. And I did a cool like historical speech exhibit for them. And so that was fun. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's so neat. What a cool field to get into. I feel like you don't even think about all of all of the places, the many places that that branches yeah. out into. You have to use that for everything. For uh, sure. And also something that I'm still definitely learning a lot about is just like how the voiceover industry works and like how you find opportunities in all of these different kind of niches and fields and how to market yourself towards those fields. And it's like I said, big learning curve. I'm still figuring a lot of it out, but it's been really fun. So. Oh, wow. That, that is so cool. Congratulations <laughs> on uh, starting a new career path. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's been fun. You're welcome. Um, so I guess kind of moving forward as we are stepping out of at least quarantine, COVID's still out there, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) um, I think it feels like we've made some steps in the Shakespeare verse toward having a, a more equitable experience all around, but we're just not quite there yet. So I'm interested in talking with you about like where the Shakespeare industry is falling short for fat plus sized people and uh, like, how can we do better? Yeah. So 
for one thing, I'll just say right up front, a lot of the stuff I'm going to say is not specific to the Shakespeare industry, but, you know, to the theater industry in general and film and television, which I have no real experience with, but have absorbed a lot of it. But I think in general, one of the biggest ways that those industries fall short for fat people is just a lack of nuanced, varied representation. I feel like that's kind of at the heart of a lot of it, you know. For, from my perspective as a fat woman, I feel like the places where I mostly see representation of fat women are either as like comedic relief characters who are there like just to make people laugh or these sort of like motherly maternal figures, uh, you know, your Mrs. Potts's and things like that, or these like really tragic fat characters where like their weight has destroyed their life or it's a it's something that they're being tormented for and it's just just really sad (laughs) and so it's like when you look at each of those things individually there's nothing inherently wrong with those on their own but like when that's all you see that's where it becomes a problem like you know I love comedic relief characters I love comedy as I said I do stand-up comedy and so it's great But I feel like, you know, there's lots of movies out there where there's these amazing comedic actors who are playing these hilarious roles that they love playing and like more power to them for that. But I feel like a lot of the humor is making fat people the butt of the joke. And Mm -hmm. so and so that can be really damaging, especially when you're a young person and that's all you see yourself represented as. And so so that's definitely a big part of it and so like bringing it back to Shakespeare like you're very likely to see a fat woman play the nurse um you are not likely at all to see a fat woman play Juliet and that's a big bummer (laughs) and so yeah that's that's definitely something that I think could be improved upon a lot yeah I think that's something that I had heard repeatedly from fat friends of mine but I don't think Mm -hmm. I fully internalized it until this past year when like for the first time ever I saw one theater company put up um the play Desdemona Mm -hmm. and Desdemona was played by a fat woman and then another company put up Much Ado About Nothing and their Mm -hmm. hero was a fat woman Mm -hmm. and in both instances I was like why have I never seen this before? Exactly. Yeah. And like, it's interesting because I do feel like in general, our culture, you know, broadly speaking, is starting to embrace po- body positivity in this really great way. And I I love to see that and I hope to see more of it. And also, I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the the age of social media and the fact that there are just more fat content creators out there who are putting themselves out there and saying, hey, let me teach you about my experience and let me show you that I am a multifaceted human being. <laughs> and and so I think that has been great. And like what you said, like a couple of years ago, the public theater in New York did this amazing production of Much Ado, which A, had an all black cast, which was awesome to see. And B, Danielle Brooks, this amazing plus size black woman played Beatrice. And I loved it so much. And simultaneously, I was overjoyed to see that representation, but also frustrated that that's like the exception and not the rule. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's silly because it's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. Maybe maybe fat people are 
funny in society or whatever yeah. but fat people also fall in love and live normal lives just like yes. anybody else so definitely I, I feel like when I saw specifically like those ingenues played in in that way I feel like the thought behind not having seen that before is like oh that's not believable like that's mm -hmm. you you have to fall in love with the the traditional standard mm -hmm. beauty whatever that means and yeah. like it's like no actually like how many fat people do you know who are married like yeah. <laughs> people they fall exist in love. <laughs> like people think that they're attractive that's real yeah. that's everyday life like and I think like the most amazing part about actually getting to see it on stage was that like, no, not a, I don't think a single person in the audience questioned that casting choice. They just accepted it for what it was like. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, if I could take a brief tangent to talk about another production that I saw a few years ago, um, I saw a great production of A Midsummer Night's Dream where a fat woman played Helena. And I have also played Helena recently. And it was such a like dream role of mine to play because I feel like Helena might be the Shakespeare character that I relate to the most in a lot of ways. Um, you know, in one scene, she says, you know, oh, I'm just as beautiful as Hermia. And then in another scene, she says, I'm as ugly as a bear. And I'm like, <laughs> I relate. <laughs> um, and also like, you know, she starts out the play, you know, loving someone who doesn't love her back. But then when the two like, male lovers are you know transfixed by the fairy's magic and they both are in love with helena she thinks that they're making fun of her and she doesn't believe it and i was like again i relate like that's a very common thing for plus size women so like i loved getting to play helena as a plus size woman and i loved getting to see this other production and i remember this other production i forget where it was it was somewhere in boston and it was a great show. And there was a little like talk back with the audience afterwards. And someone in the audience asked the question about like, why did you decide to cast a fat woman as Helena? And it was clear that like, nobody quite knew how to answer that question. Because it was very much like, well, why wouldn't we? And it was like, you know, Helena's a person. <laughs> and like, why shouldn't a fat woman play her? And I was like, yeah, exactly. And I was a little confused as to why that was even a question, but at the same time, it was like, well, I love that they just did it and didn't, didn't question it at all. It was clear that the person who made that choice just thought this person, this amazing actor is just the best for the role and we're going to do it. And so that was great. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like, I feel like there is something to be said about conscious casting in some places and mm -hmm. with certain types of people, but <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not entirely sure that the idea of like conscious casting applies to fat people quite as much like yeah I feel like you can just kind of tell the story with with that person exactly <laughs> yeah and like also can we can we talk about typecasting for a minute like, yes yes absolutely typecasting is something that I you know we hear a lot as actors we hear people talk about their type or whatever but I honestly don't fully understand like why typecasting is such a thing in the theater industry because you know a lot of fat people are told at some point in their training or their career that it's like oh if you want to get work as a fat actor 
then you have to play these like really broad character roles or comedic roles. And like, that's just, that's your niche. That's what you do. And some people love it. Some people are like, yep, those are the roles that I enjoy playing the most and I will do it. Some people feel like, well, if I have to do that in order to get work, then fine. I will like play to that type as much as I can. But it's like, why is that our only option? Or like, why, why do so many people think that that's our only option? And, and also it's like, when you look at thin people and like what their types are, it's like, they, they typically can play a much broader range of types. They can be ingenues, they can be villains, they can be, they can be comedic, like, you know, relief characters, things like that. And so it's like, why is it that fat people aren't believable as ingenues or as romantic leads? And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that just like, I think there needs to be more open-mindedness in the casting process and seeing fat people as people who who live lives and fall in love and can be complex individuals. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really just like a lack of creativity on the people who are casting's part, like mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I had like several friends in college who who got told like, "Oh, you know, you're heavier, so you're going to graduate and then you're not going to work for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And like, that's horseshit. You just spent so much money on a degree. Like, literally, that's that's ridiculous. I know I I got told in college by one of my college directors, like, oh, it's not that you're not talented. That's not why we're not casting you. It's because like, you're you're too skinny to play the adults, but you're you're too mm-hmm. chubby to play like the ingenue. We just don't know where to put you. It's what like, does that even that, mean? That's not like, real. <laughs> like, uh, that's crazy. Like, I I was told a similar thing in an acting class in college where my my professor said it was like actively while we were working on a scene. He he said to me like in front of the whole class like, Joan, I'm guessing that you have mostly been cast as older characters. Am I right? And I was like, Yes, I have. Like. All throughout high school, I was playing like so-and-so's mother or so-and-so's grandmother. And I was like, yeah, what's that about? And he's like, well, you know, I think it it probably has something to do with, you know, your maturity and the way that you carry yourself and, you know, your the tone of your voice, you know, that just you can naturally play those more mature characters. But for the purposes of this class, I want to give you a role that's closer to your own age that you can identify with more and I was like yes amazing so for our midterm scenes I got to play a part that felt more relatable to me and then for our final scenes later in the semester he was like so you're gonna be playing this character's mother and I was like no no (laughs) as much as I would love to believe that it was you know because of my maturity or the way I carry myself I also know that my size has something to do with it that it's like yep you can more easily see a you know 19 year old fat girl playing someone's mother than someone's wife or girlfriend or or just just a person (laughs) a person with a life so yeah stupid (laughs) just stupid it's ridiculous i don't know so i guess with that in mind the all of the dumb stuff Mm -hmm. we could turn it around and look at some of the nice stuff um yeah do you have any ideas of like characters or plays that you would like to see with the influence of plus size people yeah well like I said I do think that you know there are small improvements being made already with fat representation you know I mentioned that great production of Much Ado um 
I know that there was also a really great regional production of Beauty and the Beast. Um, I forget where it was. I think it was in Maryland somewhere where an amazing- Oh yeah, that was here and only Maryland. (laughs) Yes, only, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, where they had an amazing plus-size Black woman playing Belle in Beauty and the Beast. And it's like, a plus-size Disney princess? Like, yes, that's awesome. And so like things like that are great to see. And I like, I hope we see more and more of that. And just in general, it's like, I think a big part of the problem could be solved, you know, going from the top down, like with many underrepresented groups, it's like, there will be more change if we see more, you know, fat people as directors and playwrights and producers, you know, because they, they have lived that experience and they know what it feels like to be seen as a fat person first and a person second and mm-hmm. so you know i hope that we can see more of that kind of representation as well but in general in terms of like you know roles or productions it's just you know i just i want to see more just fat people as people <laughs> you know it's like that's not very specific but like um like one of the main like examples that always comes to mind is like my favorite example of plus size representation is the character of Suki on Gilmore Girls. Uh, did you watch Gilmore Girls or? I didn't. Oh, well, let me tell you. Um, Suki is like the best friend of Lorelai, one of the main leads. And she is like a, a main, like one of the main supporting characters throughout the whole series. And she's played by Melissa McCarthy and she's very funny. She's very silly. But she also has her own life and she has a lot of like character growth that is independent from her friendship with Lorelai. And she falls in love and gets married and she works as a chef and she's amazing at her job. And she's, you know, she's, she's a full human being. And it's, and I don't think in, in the whole seven season show, like her weight isn't even mentioned once. And it's just like, yeah, she's just a person living her life. And I love to see that. And so, you know, I would love to see more plus size representation in general, just, you know, as any character. But I do think that one thing I would love to see a lot more of specifically is like plus size romantic leads. Um, You know, I loved seeing a plus size Beatrice, a plus size Helena. Um, And actually just this past summer, I was really fortunate to get to play a romantic lead i got to play sylvia in a production of two gentlemen of verona oh hell yeah what a great role yeah which was really fun and that was one of those experiences where like when i got the casting offer i was surprised and confused and was like is this a mistake like did they mean to cast me as julia the girl who's got like the whole unrequited love gets left by her boyfriend is sad for the whole play because i don't think they intended to cast a fat woman as you know the beautiful desirable like celestial sylvia but they did and it was great and you know i don't know what kind of thinking went behind that decision but it was just like yeah this is a character who is the the daughter of a duke and She is a smart, powerful woman. You know, there are many characters who are in love with her. And she, you know, she is a character who takes action and who, you know, stands up for people that she cares about. And it's just like, you know, this is, that's the type of role that I never thought I would get to play. And so I was 
thrilled to be offered that opportunity and and I hope that that becomes the norm and not the exception or like the rare shocking instance so yeah does that that answer your question yeah definitely definitely I do too because I have seen you act and I would have killed to see you play Sylvia I know you slayed the house down so thank you you're welcome um well before we go do you have anything else that you would like to add um I think I think I've covered most of it um you know, I, I I love seeing more and more fat people taking center stage, and I hope that that continues. And and I'm so glad that you are doing this series on your podcast where you get to talk to underrepresented communities and hear their perspectives. So this has been really fun. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I hope it can be a good resource for anybody out there who needs it. So yeah, great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Joan. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you. I think you are incredible. So well-spoken, just such a smart, amazing actor. And I'm so happy that you reached out to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow Joan and Bulls with the Bard at the handles either on your screen or in the description. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe. And tune in next week as we talk with Zach Walsh about how the Shakespeare theater industry can do better by disabled individuals. Until then, bye all. A thousand thousand sighs to save, oh, lay me where sad true lover never find my grave to weep there.